Hello everyone, my name is Vikram Shetty. I'm a director at 73bit Limited. I have around 15 years of experience making software systems. We at 73bit help our clients to do corporate sustainability benchmarking or assessment using our online web application. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of uh, Sustainability Scorecard Stories. Today we have Rory. Rory is a CEO of Chrono Sustainability. He works to deliver transformative systematic change in social and environmental performance of key industry indicators. He's an avid reader and I'm a big fan. Uh, I have known him for many years now and uh, Chrono Sustainability is one of our clients. So we have been working closely for many years, but I'm personally a fan of Rory for all the work that he's been doing in the community in the space. So it's a pleasure and an honor to have you as a guest for our 30th episode. Welcome, Rory. Thank, thank you, Vikram. It's a pleasure to be here. So my first question to you is, how will you explain your job to a teenager? Well, given that I have two teenagers, I think the the, the starting answer would be they probably wouldn't be interested. But let's let's answer the question to to um to other for other teenagers. I would start by saying, what's the purpose of my job and what, what am I trying to achieve? So, so my personal motivation and Kronos's purpose is to deliver improvements in how companies and governments and other stakeholders manage issues like climate change, water, human rights, etc. Um, so basically to, to, to minimize their negative impacts and maximize their positive impacts in line with the needs and limits of our planet. That's the purpose. Then how do we do it? Well, my background is in um, corporate sustainability and finance. Um, I and my team understand how companies and investors operate. So so our how is we seek to harness how those actors deliver the goal of change. Then to answer your question, my job, I mean, Chronos Sustainability is a firm. It's a collection of people dedicated to that purpose. Um, whereas, but there's about 20 of us at the moment. Um, and, and my job is essentially to, to ensure that we deliver on our purpose. So that is very practical stuff like managing people and resources. And it's also about doing jobs. And, and I, I think actually my main role is encouraging individuals within companies, um, within government, etc., to take action and to be confident that taking action will not just deliver change, but will strengthen them and, and their organizations. So, sorry, that was a long answer to a very short question. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And what is one story that you would like to share about your work specifically to the business benchmark on farm animal welfare? Well, I, I think the, the story is, is perhaps an account of, of how we started because you know, I mean, as you you know from when you've been involved with this, this is an issue that that investors and indeed many companies have not been focusing on. Um, is is one problem. So their their stakeholder group have had to change. Unfortunately, NGOs working this issue um, have always had the view that companies should take action because it was the right thing to do, or indeed because the individuals within the NGOs felt that, that the company should do something. So they just felt that this, this appeal to a kind of a moral argument was enough to encourage people to take, to take action. And the problem was that because they were so convinced that it was only a moral argument, they basically antagonized the people they were trying to influence. So, so I think the, you know, when we started working on the benchmark, we spent a lot of time 
asking them to see things from your perspective. And, and I mean, Nikki Amos, who's um, set up Kronos with me and I, we would have these meetings where I would quite deliberately be like an investor, like a company and be very hard headed. You know, I, I eat every day I eat fish for as my starter. I eat meat as my main course and I have dairy as my dessert. And to explain to the NGOs that these were the individuals they needed to deal with. They needed to engage with them with the realities of their world, with their values that in, on occasion were quite different to the NGOs and that they need they need to try and find common ground with them to move forward. So so it, it's probably less a story and more reflection that in order to enable them to effectively engage with, with the other party, they first needed to see things from the other party side. And that, say that, that involved having some harsh conversations with the NGOs about the realities of how people look at the issues they're concerned about. Absolutely. Uh, what is uh, what are the challenges that you had while the benchmarking process? Well, let me offer a more general response, which is it is the biggest challenge in relation to benchmarking is it's easy to do a bad benchmark. I mean, I mean, so so the number of examples of good benchmarks that deliver real change are actually quite few and far between. Why why do people get wrong? Well, they assume that because data is available, they can benchmark on that basis. Um, right. They focus on irrelevant issues. They quite often reward the wrong thing. They quite often reward management process and take no account of outcomes. They often re reward risk management, reward and impact management. Um, and, and they often assume that just because they've are deployed a particular benchmarking strategy or engagement strategy in one place that it will work elsewhere. Right. And they often assume that the benchmark is the end, whereas it's not, it's a tool to, to start discussion. Right. Um, so so I, I would say that the biggest challenge is people think benchmarking is easy and and, and, it, and it, is, it isn't. It's difficult, not just from a design technical perspective, not just from a data perspective, but it's actually really difficult to to design a benchmark that's effective. And the biggest mistake people make is they they say, let's do a benchmark without first thinking about what we want to achieve, how do we design it, how do we make sure it works and, effect is, and is effective, and how do we ensure we resource it appropriately over the time frame needed to, right. to um, design a benchmark that actually delivers change. Got it, got it. And so while we are in this topic, so how, how when we measure the impact year on year, and the metric of measurements keep changing. How how do you cope up with that change? It's relatively straightforward, actually, because it's actually a design thing. So the the key with benchmarks is benchmarks work well when, as, as you say, when they they reasonably consistently measure performance year on year. Benchmarks can evolve, but you need to maintain either a commonality of questions. That's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it, which we've done very successfully on BB4, and we've seen some of the other leading benchmarks do as well is is maintaining the ranking so you know to get more than you know, to be in a top tier you need to get more than 80 percent or in right. a second tier you need to get 65 percent so what it means is that the shorthand of the benchmark if you're in tier four for example well that means you're mediocre if you're in tier two that means you're pretty good so so it, it's it's the calibration of the outcomes is a is a way in which you can allow the benchmark itself to evolve and I say questions change and things are important change, um, but but also maintaining that consistency of message. But I would also say that benchmarks should not change too much year yeah, on year because right. then you're you're starting a new benchmark. But but benchmarks do need to evolve and they can't be preserved um, yeah. as they are indefinitely. Got it. Got it. Uh, what is one question you want to ask your peers 
from other organization it's it, it's less a question and more a, a reflection which is how do we how do we incorporate or integrate third party data sets into benchmarks mm. or into into the narrative that surrounds benchmarks i think we've we've seen a lot of good methodology development on the actual benchmarks themselves using publicly disclosed information etc and on using company information there is there is a, a tension around the use of third party information you know it gets challenged by companies it's often seen as somehow different um of, often it is different of course um it often does not have transparent methodologies or it doesn't have the same rigor as the benchmark itself but yet i feel we're missing something from our analytical universe so so benchmarks tell tell you how the company thinks that it is managing the issue. What you right. want are other data points or in source information that allow you to test that. And I think that's the the big challenge. I, and I want to ask my peers because I don't think anybody's actually cracked it yet. So I'm very interested to work out: is anybody even looking at this question, or have we got some ways we can take that forward? Right. And and you think that because of that, the effectiveness of the benchmark could also increase, uh, or or is yes. that the reason you think? That would work. It, 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 well, I think it would do different things. One is it allows us to test whether what a company says it's doing is what it's actually achieving. So, mm -hmm. so one is one is um, and, and it's not just a, a quality assurance thing, but it's a genuine test. I think it would also allow us to say, are we asking the right questions in the benchmark? So we've, you know, including BB4, we've set up many benchmarks that have been driven by the policy governance model. You start with policy, set objectives and targets, implement, measure, report. Um, which is which is a conventional model of of certainly how Western corporations are structured. Right, right. Are we asking the right questions? Is that the right logic to apply when you're assessing how well a company manages issues? So it's also to allow us to test whether our assumptions about process actually lead to performance or impact or not. Interesting, interesting. That's good food for thought. And my last question for you today is. Was there any question that I should have asked you, which is related to sustainability scorecard stories? Yes, there is. Now, now for the listener, I I knew this question was com coming, and it took me about half an hour to think of the answer. So the question, Vikram, you should have asked me, which is um, attribution. So how do you know your benchmark effort has been successful? So so as you know, with BB4, we've run the benchmark for ten years. We have seen very significant changes in how companies manage animal welfare and, and other benchmarks have had similar track records. The really big question is how much of that change is down to the benchmark and to mm. the activities around the benchmark and how much is due to general changes in society. For example, in animal welfare, the growing demand for plant-based products and higher welfare products. In the energy sector, um, many countries have seen their grid decarbonize. So, of course, carbon performance measures look better. So the question that you should have asked me and that I'm really glad you didn't and that I have no intention of answering for you now um, <laughs> is is the question of attribution. So the next person you, who comes on to talk about benchmarks, that should be question number five and then ask them what's the next question they don't want to answer. <laughs> Got it. I, I think this is this is really interesting. I'm, I'm already having a call with a couple of other clients. I would like to nudge them with this question, just a food for thought, because I think this, uh, I've never thought about this, honestly, like even been working with you people for so many years now. I think I, I, I'm so much in the technicality of it. That question yeah. is very interesting. Thank you so and, much. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I think it's also important to say that this is not just, this is not necessarily a question that you would need to answer. You know, I think there's a, the, 
the, the because the question of attribution is complex, the 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 responsibility of the benchmark developer and technical team is to develop an excellent benchmark that right. is, you know, rigorous, right. Right. high quality data structure. So, so I think it's a good question to ask about benchmarks, but I think we should not lose sight of what we're trying to right. do right. Um, right. And, and our our sort of contribution to that. And, right. and you know, right. your contribution to that is is the technical is if the technical end is right because then you can test it, but right. you shouldn't kind of try and develop indicators and measures that actually mean you lose that integrity of the benchmark itself right but uh, but for the um, when i'm telling that i'm talking to my clients so for the people like who are the director of program or who are leading yeah. this whole thing for them i think this question is very relevant so i'm i'm already in uh, having some calls so i think that's <laughs> good <very> interesting <laughs> thank you so much for that uh, thank you very much, Rory. It was again a pleasure and inspiration to speak with you. And thank you again for your time. Thank you, Vikram. Thank you very much for listening to Sustainability Scorecard Stories. I asked these five questions to help you spread the message of your sustainability benchmarkings and assessment. If you would like to be a guest in our podcast, please email me to vikram at the rate73bit.com. See you next time. Bye-bye.